0: It's Central Time. I'm Dean Knetter in today for Rob Ferret. You're with us on the Ideas Network. A study published earlier this month found that one in five generic prescription drugs were cheaper when purchased through online pharmacy discount programs compared to their out-of-pocket cost with insurance. Those discounts amount to billions of dollars in potential savings for American patients. Our next guest will tell us how online pharmacy programs work, who they could benefit, and how to take advantage of them. And we want to hear from you, too, at 800-642-1234. How high is your out-of-pocket cost for prescription meds? Are you able to afford them? What have you done to be able to pay for your medication? And have you tried shopping around with an online service like GoodRx or Amazon? Call 800-642-1234. That's 800-642-1234 or post on the Ideas Network Facebook page. Dan Weissman is the creator and host of An Arm and a Leg, a podcast about why healthcare costs so much and what we can do about it. Prior to creating the podcast, he was a staff reporter for Marketplace and Chicago's WBEZ. Dan, welcome to Central Time. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Uh, Dan, first off, and this may not have a simple answer, but why are generic drugs in particular so expensive in the United States? Oh my
1: God. Well, it's not just generic drugs, right? It's Mm -hmm. drugs in general are super expensive in the United States. And, um, okay. Here's why they're so expensive in general for us. Um, and it's going to be a little complicated, but the, basically when you, you know, we think of generic drugs as being super, super cheap to produce and they are, and they don't have patents on them so they could be sold cheaply, but often you come to the pharmacy counter and you're told like, Oh wait, no, this, your insurance doesn't want you to take this one. Uh, it'll cost you a lot of money. Um, so the, what's happening there is um, there's our insurance and our insurance contracts to a company called a pharmacy benefit manager. This is assuming you have insurance. And there's a difference between how things work with regular insurance and with pharmacy insurance. When you go to the doctor um, and you get a statement from your insurance called an explanation of benefits, right? They'll tell you, like, even if you are still paying down your deductible for the, the amount you pay before insurance kicks in, it'll say, like, hey, your doctor said that this visit would be 150 bucks, but we have a deal with them. So they only charge us 75 bucks. And so it's 75, like we're not paying this time because you're paying your deductible. It's 75 bucks to you. So they pass that savings on to you. With uh, pharma, not so much. So they decide what, they make a deal with the drug maker and they decide you know what they're gonna pay and they decide what you're gonna pay, um, which is not necessarily connected to what they pay. So um, you know, I was just looking at, uh, so, that, so that, that's the short of it. Right You pay what your insurance, which is to say with their pharmacy benefit manager, decides you're going to pay um they also play a big role in why not just generic but branded drugs are so expensive um basically, they also cut deals for branded drugs and then they you know they 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 get, they get a they get a cut um and they you know they 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 tell you what the price is that you're going to pay, but they're not telling you what they're paying they're not necessarily passing all their savings on to you, so that's the uh, that's the, that's the long and that's the short of it more than the long of it because the long of it's really
0: long. Yeah. And in that study, I mentioned um, the two services that researchers were looking at were GoodRx and Amazon Pharmacy. And mm-hmm. I guess the big question is when it comes to the, those one in five drugs that they're able to offer cheaper than insurance is, why? How are they able to do that? <laughs>
1: well, it's, the, it's because they are what they're doing is they're making a deal with those same. Pharmacy benefit managers—they—they're going to the same pharmacy benefit managers and saying like, "Hey, what's what's your cheapest price on this drug? Like, what do you sell it to us for? What do you what do you what do you help us get it for?" And then they are passing those savings on to you directly. So, um, that's with GoodRx and Amazon, they're basically they're using those pharmacy benefit managers to get a good price. They are, and they're like, you know, with GoodRx, they're taking a little cut from what the uh, from what the Pharmacist at the counter would get, um, and then with Amazon they are the pharmacist at the counter, so they're <laughs> they're getting that. Um, the other the other model that's, that lot I people know about is is Mark Cuban's site Cost Plus Drugs, and his deal is uh, what he says he does is um, you know I I find the cheapest generic maker of this drug and then I sell it to you at a small markup. Um, and so he he claims he's being completely transparent about the prices, so you, but it's it's the same deal. Like you're you're getting the benefit of somebody else's negotiation, whereas when you get it from your insurance, it's not that way. And I, I I was I was curious. I hadn't thought about this until like ten minutes ago, but I was asking myself, well, wait a minute, uh, could I get a better deal than this? Because I have pretty good insurance. And so you know, for the like medicines I take, I might pay like ten bucks. That's like the lowest price I might pay. And I was like, but could I get that cheaper?
0: And the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, and Dan, I understand that you have some personal experience of uh, getting your drugs a lot cheaper than you might otherwise have. How did you first come to try out uh these online pharmacy discount programs?
1: Well, you know, I I didn't I, I'm lucky and the story's a little bit uh a little bit different than that. Um, you know, I changed insurance a few years ago, and when I got the call from Walgreens saying that my prescription had renewed, like, you know, in January, they were like and it's going to be $700. And this was like for an old generic drug that i had been taking for a long time and been paying like 10 or 20 bucks a month for. And, uh, and that was when I, I had heard of GoodRx. And I was like, and I knew that it would allow you to kind of comparison shop to see what you would pay at different pharmacies and that it would offer you discounts um, on those prices. And so I went, I looked it up and I was like, oh, Hall Queen's wants, you know, all these hundreds of dollars. And like what I would pay just just the straight up no insurance price at the pharmacy counter was like several hundred dollars at Walgreens and a lot at CVS, but like 20 bucks at Costco, which was really, really interesting. And then with the GoodRx discount, it would be less, but still still a spread. That's what got me interested in those in these in this company and in kind of trying to understand how drug prices work. I was like, how can this possibly be um, my I, I ended up paying less because, uh, you know, I, I was like this can't be right. I think Walgreens just doesn't know that I have new insurance. They think I have no insurance. And that's why they're trying to charge me this crazy amount. And I went to the pharmacy. I was like, do you guys need my new insurance card? And they're like, yes. And they were like, great. Your prescription is $5. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, my, that was my story. But it got, me, it got me interested. That's how I came. I mean, I had been doing this show for a few months at that point. And I had thought I knew how, I, what I knew about drug prices was, it was really complicated. And there's entities called pharmacy benefit managers. I was like, I, I I'm really gonna have to wait until I'm a lot smarter to, to understand that. But once I had that experience, I was like, I need to understand this now. Like this is too weird. Um. So that that was my that was that was my learning, uh, process.
0: We're talking with Dan Weissman, creator and host of An Arm and a Leg, a podcast about the cost of healthcare. We're looking at online pharmacy discount programs, how they work, and who they might be a good fit for. We're taking your calls and questions too at eight hundred six four two. One, two, three, four. Uh, Dan, you mentioned Mark Cuban's company, Cost Plus. I want to listen to a clip of him now sort of laying out the, the, um, what it involves. Here he is on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. I mean, no one trusts the drug industry at right. all. Right? right, And so what we said was, you know, sunlight is the best disinfected. So we, if you go and you put in the drug and if we carry it, um, it'll show you not only what we sell it for, it'll show you our cost, And Like actual costs? Actual costs, but we really pay for it. We mark it up 15%, that's it. We have a $3 pharmacy fee and $5 for shipping, that's it. And so you know exactly what we paid, and so you can trust it, and that's the first time in the pharmacy industry where when you're buying a medication, you can trust that you're paying a fair price. So you're making money? Not yet. And Dan, that sounds pretty simple. Is it that simple? What are some of the costs and fees and things people should watch out for if they're considering shopping around on something like Cost Plus?
1: Well, it's you know pretty simple. Like you know, mm-hmm. he, and he laid it out. Like right, they're going to charge you three bucks for this. They're going to charge you a shipping fee. Um, so the question is, but here's the, here's what it has to become kind of a calculation for you each time out, right? One, you might want to compare like. I get a better deal from Mark Cuban. Would I get a better deal through GoodRx? But the other thing is that you want to look at like, well what if I? Because when you when you buy your prescription through any of these services, through Amazon, well, Amazon's different, but through GoodRx or through Mark Cuban, um, essentially you're paying cash, meaning it they're not involving your insurance company. So if you've got a deductible, an amount that you're supposed to pay before your insurance kicks in to cover anything. Then you kind of have to look at well, basically, what's your relationship with it, right? A lot of people have deductibles in the thousands of dollars, and the, and the amount you might pay for medication like might be, I don't know, I mean, just really, really varies. But unless you've got, I mean, but you know, some people have have take take medications that cost thousands and thousands of dollars a year. In which case, you're thinking about like, well, okay, I, I'm waiting, I'm paying some, I'm paying, uh, waiting for that deductible to kick in, and and so insurance can carry me through the rest of the year. But for a lot of people, if you're like, well, I take this thing for my cholesterol, I take this thing for low blood pressure whatever, um, you know, it, or I need I need this medication for a couple months, but it's not going to get near those thousands of dollars. I'm not worried about that. Then, you know, then it make, might make more sense to see if you can get a better deal. I just looked it up. I was like, oh, this drug that I take that I pay $10 a month for, Mark Cuban seems to be saying he'll sell it to me for 6. Like, I got to look at like the shipping and the and their $3 pharmacy fee maybe it comes up to 10 anyway but i'm like that's a uh, that's very that's darn interesting right um so that's the that because i don't I, i'm not going to come near my deductible um with the medicines that i'm taking
0: sure so it sounds like if you have that high deductible that you might not in a normal year come close to reaching an online pharmacy program might be a good idea
1: yeah i mean you know and sadly you know it's so terrible everybody's there is no like there's no one thing that works for everybody mm-hmm. um you know it depends on what medicine you take and whether your insurance which is to say their pharmacy benefit manager has decided that that is a a medicine that they will provide to you at a decent price um and what your deductible is and what is available on the market through things like GoodRx or amazon or mark cuban's cost plus with amazon they will you kind of have the option of working with your insurance through them so that's you know, yet another yet another. Essentially, you're kind of like mapping out scenarios everywhere you go, um, which is a total pain in the butt. Like it should. like Why should why should I have to do all this homework? Um, I mean, I can shop for, you know, a can of tuna by just like looking at the prices on the shelf. Why do I have to open up a spreadsheet and a bunch of tabs in my browser and make a couple phone calls to find out where I can get, you know, if I'm going to get ripped off on this
0: medication I need? We'll talk more about that homework in just a minute. Dan Weissman is our guest right now, creator and host of An Arm and a Leg, a podcast about the cost of healthcare. We're looking at online discount pharmacies and how they might be able to save you money on some drugs. And you can join in at 800-642-1234. Have you used one of these online programs like GoodRx or Amazon or Cost Plus? Have they saved you money? Or have you had bad experiences with them? And what questions do you have for Dan about how they work and why? Call 800-642-1234. That's 800-642-1234 or post on the Ideas Network Facebook page. We'll continue the conversation coming up on Central Time. You're listening to Central Time on the Ideas Network. I'm Dean Knetter. Right now, we're picking up the conversation with Dan Weissman, creator and host of An Arm and a Leg, a podcast about why healthcare costs so much. We're talking about online pharmacy discount programs, how they work, and whether you could save money using them. We're also taking your calls at 800-642-1234. And let's go to the phones right now. Nancy is with us in Milwaukee. Hi, Nancy.
1: Hello. Hello, my com- My question has to do with a drug that has to be put into your arm in the form of a drip. I am 91 years old and I have advanced osteoporosis. And the drug that my um, doctor's suggestion is called Reclast, and it costs. It will cost me about a thousand dollars once a year. I have to have this, uh, plus the cost of administration. But if I could get that drug at a lesser cost and just take it to my health clinic where it could be given to me, I would very much appreciate that. So, what does your guest have to say about a drug that cannot be taken by mouth?
0: Nancy, thanks for the call. Uh, Dan, do you know anything about that?
1: Dean, thanks, Nancy. I, 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 to say, I this is not something I know a whole lot about. I know a little bit, um, which is if you're if you're getting a drug administered at you know, your doctor's office or a hospital or clinic or wherever, then it kind of, my impression is it comes through them. Um, so I wish I had a, a happier answer for you. Um, Google could teach us otherwise. It's isn't something I've researched, but that, you know, from from folks I've talked to who have, who have had to take kind of drugs this way, um, It. I. my understanding is you, got, you get it,
0: you get it through the provider. So um, I'm sorry, I don't have better news for you there. Nancy, thank you for the call. And Dan, when it comes to those really expensive drugs that really add up, another thing you've written about is uh these discount coupons people can get. Can you explain how those work? How much time do we have? Well, um, a few it's a minutes. Four <laughs>
1: step, yeah, right. Well, okay. It's a four step process. Like so the super expensive drugs, right, often sometimes are called specialty drugs. It can cost like, you know, thousands of dollars a month. Um, that's like the sticker price on them and essentially the drug makers and the insurance companies or the pharmacy benefit managers are kind of playing a game they're kind of playing a game of chicken and like we're caught in the middle of it and the way it works is um the drug maker sets a super super high price they're th- they're thinking well insurance is going to pay us right um the insurance company's like we don't want to pay that price that's ridiculous um and they're not they're not necessarily able to get the same kinds of discounts cuz they're not buying in great bulk they don't necessarily have the um you know they can't kind of steer you to another equivalent generic version, so they're like, okay, well we don't want to pay this much. I know what we'll do. <laughs> this is terrible. Why am I laughing? This is the worst thing ever. I mean I'm mad about this. The insurance company's like, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna make you the patient pay out of pocket a whole bunch before we kick in. This is where we talk about deductibles, right? And not just deductibles, but also what are called copays or what you get when you uh, get with these super expensive drugs is often what they call co-insurance like hey dig me i'm co-insuring myself i'm like paying some percentage maybe twenty percent maybe more of the price of this medication like twenty percent of thousands of dollars is a lot right so the insurance company is saying like well you know sure we are going to insure you on this drug assuming we approve it right that's a whole other question but they're like but you're gonna have to pay a whole bunch up front and a lot of us are like where am i gonna get that kind of money i can't pay that much and the drug company, this is step three, if you're counting, is like, oh, here, you know what we'll do? We'll give you a coupon, and this can come in a different, in various forms, but like, we'll give you a coupon for this super expensive drug. So that'll allow you to pay your deductible, right, your share of this. Um, because from their perspective, like, great, they gave you $2,000. They're going to, if the, if the, if the, let's say this is a drug that costs $10,000, they gave you $2,000. They're like, we're going to get $8,000 from insurance. We would have gotten zero. So, this and we, you know, we gave Dan $2,000 basically we just like, you know, we're getting, we're getting 8,000 instead of 10,000. Sure. This is a good deal for us. And, so, and We're going, we could get, we could get 10,000, we could get 8,000, we could get zero. We're going to take 8,000 here. So that's their move. The insurance company now has now, and the pharmacy benefit managers have now created their own programs. They often call them copay accumulators. And basically, it's a fancy way of saying, no, uh, Dan, you're the patient. Uh, We are counting. We're figuring out how to count it. So if you use one of those coupons, it doesn't count toward your deductible. You have to pay your own money in cash for your share, or else you're still on the hook for whatever your share is supposed to be. Um, which is terrible. And and it goes the dance keeps going on multiple steps. So then like uh one new move is the drug company will send me a debit card. You know, they're like, Oh, great, we'll send you cash. Um, and the and the pharmacy benefit managers are now like, We are watching the numbers on these debit cards to make sure that they're not ones issued by the drug companies. And if we catch you using a debit card that's issued by a drug company, we will, you know. Take your firstborn, or you know, screw you in some
0: other way. So that's um, that's how terrible that is. So with the oh, discount wow. coupons, the devil is in the details. Uh, we have time for another call. Let's go to Margaret, who's with us in Jackson. Hi, Margaret.
2: Hey, thanks for uh, taking my call. A few years ago, I had gotten a copy of Consumer's Reports, and they had a list of pharmacies and who was the most expensive and who was the cheapest. And uh, at the top of the list as far as being the, most, the least expensive was HealthWarehouse.com. And I'm not comp- uh, completely computer savvy, so I just told my doctor. Uh, that's uh, where I wanted to get my uh, long-term prescriptions from, and he made the call to HealthWarehouse.com and you know took care of ordering it. But I have seen as much as um, 90% less. Uh, costs on prescriptions then from like Walgreens or CVS.
0: <clears throat> wow, Margaret, thanks for for sharing that. Uh, Dan healthwarehouse.com, is that one you're familiar with? Not uh, not till right now. Uh, I'll look them up. There are Thank a lot you. of these businesses, though. It seems like is it a growing industry, a growing trend? These online uh, discount programs.
1: I believe it's growing, and the reason it exists is because you know it's it's a pretty simple way to make a profit. You know, if you're like GoodRx is a good example, right? They, um, you know, they're kind of they're inserting themselves in the middle of this transaction. They are finding for you the best price, but they're just, you know, they've just got a little computer system set up to do that They're And they're taking a percentage like, you know, so millions of people use their service and they might get a dollar each time um, or two dollars or five dollars or whatever. But like they're not actually doing anything right. They're not manufacturing any drugs. They're not they're not themselves negotiating directly with drug makers they're not holding inventory they're not buying any drugs they're not operating brick and mortar pharmacies they're not you know all they're doing is putting themselves in the middle of these transactions and they're with and you know they are which is a valuable service and one for which they do not charge us right they're taking a cut out of what everybody else was already taking and that is the reason that this is possible for them to make a good business out of this is because there's already so many people in the middle taking a cut and they're just like we will take a little cut from these other people's cut and and find a way to get savings for you like i'm not saying they're bad i'm i'm just saying like they exist there it's possible for them to do this because our system is so bad
0: and dan we just have about 30 seconds left if someone's listening hearing about these programs for the first time saying they might want to try them out um what would you have them keep in the front of their mind
1: oh man shop around uh you know see what's see what. See where the best deal is for you. Like I said, you're going to, you may have to open a spreadsheet um, and it stinks and you're going to have to look at like what your. I, I was just look, I was so starting through my email, like, where's the chart again that says what I pay for drugs on which tier of my pharmacy plan? Like you just got to, there's just a million things to watch like a hawk. I mean, people do it. People are, I think most, lots of people, most people are pretty vigilant, but it, there's a lot to keep track of, but it's,
0: you can, you, you, you may well be able to find a better deal for yourself on a lot of drugs well dan thanks for taking the time today and for helping us break this down dean thanks for having me dan weissman is the creator and host of, a, of the podcast an arm and a leg we talked to him about about online pharmacy discount programs like good rx and cost plus how they work and who could benefit from using them stay tuned there's more to come i'm dean Knetter in for rob ferret you're listening to central time on the ideas network Time. I'm Dean Connetter in today for Rob Barrett. Right now, it's Food Friday. If you spend any time in the kitchen, at home, or for your job, you've probably tried to cut down on food waste. But using up certain ingredients before they go bad is not always easy. Those mixed greens or that cantaloupe might look great when we bring them home from the store. Not so much when we're ready to eat them. Our next guests are chefs and sisters who have tackled this issue head on and have some advice and recipes to reduce waste ourselves down to zero if we want, and make some great food while doing it. We're listening back to that conversation now. You can join in by emailing ideas at wpr.org. How aware are you of food waste in the kitchen? Are there certain foods you find yourself throwing out way too often? Those greens, herbs, produce? Do you have any tips and tricks you follow to reduce food waste already? Let us know by emailing ideas at wpr.org. Irene Lee is a 2022 James Beard Leadership Award winner and lives in Boston working with the Mei Mei Dumplings team. And Mei Lee is the founder of Food Waste Feast, an online project to help home cooks quit wasting food. She lives in Glasgow, Scotland. They're co-authors of the cookbook Double Awesome Chinese Food. Their latest cookbook is called Perfectly Good Food, a totally achievable zero-waste approach to home cooking. Central Time host Rob Ferrett talked with him earlier this summer. Here's a listen.
3: Irene, let's start with you. You both actually have a lot of experience in the restaurant business. Uh, can you talk about your experience there? I assume just for pure reasons of the bottom line, you got to watch out for food waste, right?
4: That's right. You know, when you cook in a professional kitchen, um, it's it's your job to not waste food. Uh, the ingredients are your raw materials. And so that's your money going in the trash. But, you know, at home, most of us have other full-time jobs. And so saving our food, making sure it doesn't end up getting wasted, that can kind of fall by the wayside.
3: And May, why have you taken on reducing food waste as close to zero as possible?
2: So when I wrote our first cookbook, I kind of realized how a lot of recipes make it difficult for for home cooks to use up what they have. Um, they might ask you to go out and buy some new ingredients, and you might pick up something like a, you need a tablespoon of parsley. So you head out and you buy a whole bunch, and then you don't know what to do with that parsley. You've got a bunch minus one tablespoon of parsley. So... How do you use up the rest of those things I wanted to figure out a way for home cooks to be as efficient as possible and um, stop putting so much food waste in the landfill as it sounds like your previous guest mentioned um, food waste in the landfill creates methane which is a really potent greenhouse gas and it's, it's really bad for the environment and also all of that. the raw materials and the natural resources that go into producing that food, all that gets wasted when your food goes into the trash.
3: All right. One of the ideas in the book, I don't know who uh, gets credit for this one. I is like, I can't believe I never thought of this. The eat me first box. (laughs) Where did that come from?
4: That's definitely an Irene one. I'll let her take that. (laughs) Sure. So when we first got into our restaurant and we had a walk in refrigerator, um, we knew that we had to do an even better job keeping track of all of our ingredients in a walk in stuff can get lost really easily. So we decided to designate an eat me first box. Um, You could also call that use first uh, if you were in a restaurant. And that's where we put anything that is high priority to get rid of or use up. So it might be something that's nearing its best by date. It might be like half a tomato um, or a a slice of lemon, sort of the odds and ends that if you don't pay attention to them, they might get lost uh, and end up getting wasted. So we love implementing that at home. Um, I definitely have had moments where there are several moldy half lemons in the back corners of (laughs) my refrigerator. So if we can do a better job keeping track of what needs to go, what needs to be prioritized, keeping that box at eye level, making sure it's labeled, don't let that migrate to the back of the fridge. um, That can help a lot.
3: And May, one key to the book, uh, when we're talking about uh, produce, our fruits and vegetables is, okay, this doesn't look so beautiful that I just want to eat this raw right out of the fridge, but that doesn't mean it's dead yet, right? Uh, Could you talk about trying to find ways for that in between produce?
2: That is totally true. So there might be a fruit that's not perfect to eat raw, but you could make that into jam, or you could cook it into a cake, or you could blend it into a smoothie. And the same goes for vegetables. You know, you might have this tomato that is not going to be the most delicious BLT, but it will make a perfectly good tomato sauce or could become gazpacho. Um, again, blending is really useful if the texture isn't perfect. And so there's so many ways to make sure that your produce that you spent good money on is getting eaten, even if it's not you know, perfect salad quality. If you're going to cook it and kind of change up the texture, then you can have really delicious meals with that stuff that just doesn't look good.
3: We're talking to May Lee and Irene Lee about their new book. It's called Perfectly Good Food. A totally achievable, zero-waste approach to home cooking. You can join this Food Friday conversation. Have you found ways to cut back on food waste? Or is there something that always gets you? Join in at 800-642-1234. That's 800-642-1234. Irene, a big part of the book is uh, hero recipes. These recipes that are flexible Uh, and they can work in a bunch of our different kinds of food that will otherwise go to waste. Can you talk about the philosophy behind these hero recipes?
4: Yeah, we like to call them hero recipes. I call them superhero recipes because they help you rescue food, Um, all your odds and ends that you might not have a home for. They're basically templates. Um, So it might be a stir fry or a cream of anything soup. Um, And if you understand generally how the recipe works, you can modify it to accommodate any number of ingredients. So maybe you had a delicious cheese and charcuterie board last night and now you have half an ounce of five different cheeses. How are you going to use those? Well, you could look at um, a frittata or a soup or a fondue. These ideas are all about helping the home cook practice being flexible um, and just trying out whatever they happen to have on hand. And we always like to say if the recipe doesn't come out so great, you just eat the evidence and you move on.
3: And we've got a few of these recipes at WPR.org slash Central Time, these hero recipes. Uh, May. let's check one of them out, the How You Like It Savory Pancakes. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the recipe and how we can work some different uh, ingredients on the way out into our cooking.
2: Yes. So this is one of my favorite recipes. It is based on the Japanese dish called okonomiyaki. And it's really interesting because it is actually kind of meant to be how you like it. And they met, they are made in tons of different ways. You could have these savory pancakes with uh, pork belly and squid, I believe is traditional, but you could also have it. I saw it once in a restaurant with um, a Thanksgiving special with turkey and cranberry sauce. So you can kind of put in whatever you can find in your fridge. You just use a similar base of cabbage, eggs, flour and you're kind of making these delicious savory pancakes, but then you can toss in whatever you like and it's so flexible and it makes it really easy to have this basic template that you make the same way every time, but a little part of it, you just switch it up based on what you need to use up.
3: Let's bring on a caller now at 800-642-1234. Nancy is with us in Lock to Flambeau. Nancy, hi. Hi. What did you want to tell us about Nancy?
2: Oh, Ladies, I love your book, and I struggle with this because I'm—I don't like waste. And um, I mean, I worked at Greenpeace for years and stuff like that. But what I'm trying to do now is to convince my neighbors to give me their waste because I have a dear good friend who runs her own farm, and and apparently chickens eat food waste all the time. I had no idea. And so, if you have any advice about how do I, how do I? How do i make it into a community thing or maybe add that to your book maybe i, I don't know anyway what do you think of the idea of feeding the chickens?
3: interesting nancy that's a great use for the food uh and i know irene i believe both of you are big composters as well can you talk about otherwise even if we humans don't end up eating the food animals or microbes might
4: Yeah, so um, thanks so much for the call, Nancy. We like to think about food waste reduction as kind of a pyramid. Um, Ideally, we would be able to feed uh, food that might get wasted to humans. Um, If not to humans, then to animals, chickens like you do. That's awesome. Um, And if not to animals, then at least we can compost it and retain some of the nutrients in the life cycle. We've also heard from folks um, while on our book tour that they and their friends might actually have uh, like Food waste or food rescue potlucks. So, everybody takes some leftovers and repurposes them. And it's kind of a fun little theme for a meal. So, I think there are lots of fun ways to get other folks involved in this effort. And, you know, at the end of your potluck, anything that doesn't get eaten, that can go into a bin for the chickens. I
3: think I'd rather go to a food rescue potluck than a food waste potluck. That sounds less accurate. You don't want to eat trash? <laughs> Nancy, thanks a lot for that call. Uh, Michael is with us now in Nina. Michael, hi.
0: Hi. So I love the show, and uh, I just wanted to say, it, it, as I'm as we're growing older, my wife and I are now alone, and it's hard for us to eat a whole package of like blueberries and strawberries. Um, and they're such good deals right now. So what we do is, uh, or what I do is, I watch, and as they're they're starting to. Wilt a little bit. I'll cook them down into a compote. We had crepes this morning—blueberry crepes with uh, uh, topped with strawberries. It was really good.
3: That sounds fantastic, Michael. I'm right there with you, man. Uh, You know, going from having two teenagers in the house to having. Zero teenagers in the house. uh, Makes me have to adapt what I buy and what I do with it. May, what do you think of Michael's? It sounds like he comes into that berry buying with that plan in place. Like, we're going to eat some. We're going to compote some. You know, you could freeze some, too. That kind of planning when we get this stuff in the first place.
2: Absolutely. That is so smart. Thank you for calling, and I love that idea. And, you know, fresh compote that you've made yourself is so delicious, and you can kind of tailor it to your own tastes. I have two small children, and so I'm always – saving little bits of fruit, especially when they decide they want one slice of apple and then they don't want the rest of it. (laughs) And so I put all those little extra bits of fruit into a bag in my freezer. It's called the smoothie bag. And then when they want a smoothie, I will just pop all those little bits of frozen fruit into the blender, blend it up with whatever kind of juice I have or yogurt or ice cream. And then they drink it as a smoothie. And I have also been known to, when they don't finish their smoothie, I will pour the smoothie into a Popsicle mold and then feed it to them as a Popsicle. So I am making sure that they are eating that expensive fruit that I've bought for them.
3: Michael, thanks a lot for that call. We're talking to Irene and May Lee about their latest cookbook on Food Friday. The book is called Perfectly Good Food, a totally totally achievable zero-waste approach to home cooking. I had a plan when my kids were little and they didn't uh, finish their food. It was called Dad Finishes Their Food. It had some... uh, non-sustainable long-term consequences. I'll say that. Hey, you could join in with your thoughts on food waste at 800-642-1234. Is there something you always have trouble finishing up, you need some inspiration, or have you found solutions you want to share? Join in at 800-642-1234 or post on the Ideas Network Facebook page. We'll pick up the conversation, maybe hear from you coming up on Central Time. It's Central Time. I'm Rob Ferrett. We're picking up our Food Friday talk with sisters and co-authors, Irene and May Lee, about their new cookbook. It's called Perfectly Good Food, A Totally Achievable Zero-Waste Approach to Home Cooking. You can join in at 800-642-1234 and find a couple recipes from our guests at WPR.org slash Central Time. Let's go back to your calls at 800-642-1234. Amy is with us in Weston. Amy, hi.
2: Hi, I love this topic. I just want to say that that's how I sort of do my shopping list now. I'll go into the pick and save the Kroger. I'll go into the produce area where they bundle up things for 99 cents. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to make baba ganoush with two eggplants for 99 cents. It's such a good deal. Otherwise, I know that would go in the trash there's never a brown banana that goes in the trash here. It goes in the freezer. It can become part of a smoothie. There's just so many creative things that you can do without it going into the trash can.
3: Amy, thanks a lot for sharing both of those ideas. Irene, first of all, her idea, she, uh, she looks for that produce that's going bad. They're selling off cheap and uh, comes up with a plan based on that. Uh, what do you think of that philosophy?
4: I love that. It sounds like Amy's a real pro. And part of what we want to do with the book is encourage people to experiment, um, to be empowered to try out something that maybe they've never tried before, if they're inspired by what they see at the farmer's market or the grocery store. And the good news is that it also can be really budget friendly. So if you're able to buy seconds or B grade, you can make your dollar go a lot further.
3: Thanks for that call, Amy. And May, uh, she also mentioned those bananas. Now, she'll freeze those bananas going off and use them as smoothies or in smoothies, which I also do. Also, coincidentally, one of the recipes you shared with us is the accidental best banana bread. Can you talk about your your banana bread? Yes,
2: I I really love this recipe, which is funny because it came out of a total kitchen accident. I was buying bananas at the supermarket and they came in one of those bags. I don't know if they're available everywhere, but they it was a bag that had banana recipes printed all over it. And so I figured, hey, I'll try this banana recipe. And I was sort of haphazardly multitasking in the kitchen, like I often do. And I left out an entire cup of white flour, (laughs) (laughs) which was like half the flour in the recipe. Mm -hmm. And it turned out to be the best banana bread I've ever had. And I think it's, you know, it really brings out the banana flavor. It's not as bready. It's more like this... Kind of gooey banana cake. And uh, I, I think it's fantastic. And um, it came out of a total accident. So, you know, back to the experimenting in the kitchen is sometimes not following a recipe perfectly can lead to some fun new surprises.
3: Thanks again for that call. We're talking to Irene and May Lee about their new book, Perfectly Good Food, A Totally Achievable Zero-Waste Approach to Home Cooking. Still time for you to share your questions or food waste solutions at 800-642-1234. Find that accidental banana bread recipe online at wpr.org slash central time. Irene, let's talk about expiration dates. We're a big dairy state uh, here in Wisconsin. Uh, how by the book are we on, on those dates?
4: Well, expiration dates, as it turns out, are really just the manufacturer's idea of uh, when a product is going to be at its best or at its freshest. Um, And so they don't necessarily have anything to do with food safety. It's the manufacturer's way of encouraging you to use it up when it will be um, at its peak. So we really encourage... Eaters and cooks to use their senses when it comes to evaluating whether food is safe to eat. How does it smell? Um, How does it feel? Is it slimy? Is it stinky? Um, And you know, even food that has technically uh, perhaps sour or started to ferment in some cases can be safe to eat. Um, Of course, if you're feeding kiddos or um, someone elderly or immunocompromised, you might want to be a little bit more careful. But the manufacturers uh, really. They want you to enjoy the food as fast as possible and go out and buy more. So we want to say, take those dates with a big grain of salt.
3: And may can you talk about uh, using that freezer as our our caller did with her bananas? Any advice on what to freeze, how to freeze it?
2: Yes. So we love the freezer because we basically think of it as this magical time-stopping tool on your food. You can save food almost indefinitely with the freezer, but the quality will sort of start to degrade the longer it is in the freezer. So one big recommendation is to minimize as much air as possible in your free, your freezer goods. So the air is what causes the freezer burn. And so if you can press out all the air from a bag or make sure to fill up to the top, um, maybe liquids are an exception there. You wanna leave some space at the top for them to expand. And the idea is that the freezer will just hold stuff indefinitely. And as long as your freezer hasn't lost power or something, it'll hold on to your food. Um, But, you know, we know that it's sometimes easy to forget about something in the freezer. So we always encourage labeling and dating. So we personally like permanent markers and painter's tape. You can put it on your containers and say... You know, this is the beef soup I made um, in March. And then you don't mix it up for something like uh, spiced apple cider <laughs> six months later.
3: Irene, over the years here on Food Friday, I've gotten some like, oh, uh, green onions or scallions. You don't just use the white part. You can use the green part. Or uh, Lydia Bastianich has me freezing my pasta water sometimes because you can use that in stocks and other things. Are there other examples where, hey, this is the you might not even have thought of as food, but you can actually do food stuff with it?
4: That's a great question. One of my favorite recipes in the book is our scrap chili oil. Um, And so that really utilizes things that have a lot of flavor, but might not have um, the best texture. So think um, garlic peels or like the little butt ends of your garlic cloves, um, papery onion skins, um, ginger peels. These things are full of flavor. And when you pour hot oil over them, Uh, you get this incredibly aromatic, delicious, savory sauce that you can then drizzle on whatever you want.
3: And May, uh, speaking of those uh, bits that we don't always use, uh, soup is my magic go-to. If it's edible, you know, something you'd want to eat, it ends up in my soup. I often call it fridge soup. And if you don't really want (laughs) to eat it like the stuff Irene was just talking about, I'll use it for making soup stock. Any thoughts on using soup as our magical cure-all for food waste?
2: One hundred percent. I'm with you. Um, we have a recipe called Cream of Anything Soup because we believe <laughs> the same thing. You know, that you can have this vegetable with lots of flavor, but maybe not the best texture or you don't really know what else to do with it. You can toss it into a soup and you can make it delicious. And we're also all about making things into condiments. And then you can use your delicious condiments to drizzle on top of your soup and then it feels fancy and new and adds extra t- different textures. So, yes, we're all about it
3: time for one more call. Laura is with us in Madison. Laura, hi. Hi, Rob. what do you want to tell us about?
2: Well, I have a couple ideas that are good for cutting down on food waste. And the first one I know you're familiar with because you've had um, shows like this before, but um, cook once and eat two or three mm-hmm. times. And then my, my second idea is, um, so when I make a meal and I have leftovers I portion everything out right away after the meal for lunch size portions, and I put them in glass or clear plastic in the refrigerator so that my kids aren't standing in front of the refrigerator wondering what's <laughs> in there because they can see it.
3: <laughs> Laura, thanks a lot for those ideas. The planning there, Irene, is the key, I think. Like, I know, she knows she's making it for this meal and the next meal or for signal servings for her kids. Uh, leave us with some thoughts on, on that kind of meal planning to help avoid food waste.
4: Yeah, I love that approach, and I think another really important thing is uh, glass or clear plastic. Um, When things are out of sight, they end up out of mind, and that's how I think a lot of food ends up getting forgotten about in the fridge.
3: Laura, thanks for that call, and Irene and May, thank you both so much for joining us today.
4: Thank you for having us. Thank you.
3: May and Irene Lee are co-authors of the new cookbook we've been talking about. It's called Perfectly Good Food, A Totally Achievable, Zero-Waste Approach to Home Cooking. You can keep sharing your ideas on how to beat food waste, avoid food waste online. Go to the Ideas Network Facebook page or email ideas at WPR.org. And then check out a few recipes, hero recipes from Irene and May. You can find those at WPR.org slash Central Time.
0: We listened back to that conversation from earlier this summer. You can also visit WPR.org slash Food Friday to check out all the food-related talks we've had on the show and browse recipes from our guests. And as always, we want to hear from you. What do you want us to talk about on a future edition of Food Friday? What ingredients are you excited about working with? What styles of cooking do you want to know more about? Tell us your stories, ask us your questions by emailing ideas at WPR.org. Coming up Monday on The Morning Show, it's the State Capitol Report. Kate Archer-Kent gets us caught up on a busy week in state politics, and she'll talk with Megan Wolf, head of the Wisconsin Elections Commission, after the Senate voted to remove her from the job this week. As always, you'll have a chance to weigh in with questions and comments. And the leaves are starting to change colors. We'll find out how to identify trees by their leaves and where and when to see the best fall colors around Wisconsin. That and more coming up Monday morning after 7 on The Morning Show. (music) Yesterday on the show, we talked about what movie theaters can do to help audience to keep audiences coming back in person we heard from some of you on the air about what you want to see in the cinema and on facebook laura said i live in a smaller town and it would be great if they would stream live events to the screen so people could attend theater or concert events remotely i know some theaters stream the metropolitan opera it's rare to find those opportunities well it turns out that one of those opportunities is coming up soon on Saturday, November 18th, Marcus Theaters are going to stream the Mets production of X, The Life and Times of Malcolm X. The opera has a Wisconsin connection, too. The libretto was written by a longtime UW-Madison scholar, Tulani Davis. So if you're able to catch that or any other special events around the state, let us know. Email ideas at WPR.org. This is Central Time.